Hello, wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. Our theme for this week, our big question, how good was God when he created hell? This week you're going to discover, is hell real? Is hell burning now? Is hell forever? And is the devil really in charge of hell? Our co-host today is Helen Gray. Helen's the lay pastoral leader of the Birdwood Adventist Church. Welcome to you, Helen. Thank you, Gary. I'd delight to be back again. It's wonderful to have you in the studio. I really do appreciate all that you uh, you share uh, every Thursday. Uh, you really make a very significant contribution. Thank you, Gary. Uh, tell us, Helen, now look, you're the lay pastoral leader of the Birdwood uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church. Look, tell us a little bit about the Birdwood Church. Is this a, a big church, a little church? What's it like? Well, it's not a huge church by any stretch of the imagination. I actually work alongside a colleague, Pastor Matt Hunter, mm-hmm. and we share the load. Um, I think there's roughly about an attendance before the COVID, I think somewhere about 36, 37, somewhere around there, yeah. um, that, that we're attending regularly. I, I joined them, and I'm just amazed. They're a vibrant group. And um, a loving group. Uh, they've actually welcomed me with open arms. And yeah. I said, wait till you get to know me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, um, I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying the ministry there. Yeah, Birdwood Church is certainly a church I really love preaching at. There's always a, a, a dynamic um, uh, atmosphere there and something that you get some wonderful feedback. Now, just tell us, where is Birdwood just as a matter of interest? Oh, you're going to ask me that? <laughs> I'm going to ask you that. Yeah, tell us where it is. Flunk geography and all that at school for every year. Um, believe it or not, I used to teach map reading, though. Birdwood, if you want to go out towards uh, Williamstown or if you want to head out to Lindock, there is a sign around about Sandy Creek Road coming out from Gawler. Sandy Creek Road. Okay, now for those on the, on the east coast uh, who, who mightn't done, even know those, those particular areas, because I'm really conscious that we've got some people on the east coast who visit over here. Occasionally they visit the Birdwood Motor Museum. Now, um, And the Big Rocking Horse. And the Big Rocking Horse. That's a Gummeraka. That's a Gummeraka. What is the Birdwood Motor Museum? Well, it is a motor museum, Gary. <laughs> I can tell you haven't been to the motor museum. <laughs> I was many you, years you, ago, you have not really for a long time. I thought, something. what a silly question, Gary. <laughs> Helen, let's go to another. Let's go to another subject. Look, tell us, when do you worship at Birdwood? Okay, we without the COVID, we normally work on the seventh day of the week, which we by the Bible go by, and that's the Saturday. It's the Sabbath, okay. and um, we worship there Friday evening to Saturday evening. And um, I had a a, uh, a minister from another denomination say to me, "You have to worship on that day. You're told to." And I could honestly look him in the eye and say, "No, no, no. I have to worship because I love the Lord." He said, "If you love me, keep my commandments." And it is the fourth commandment. And um, yeah, I'm I'm just so grateful. Tell when me, I Helen, about that. We'll talk about this some other time. I think. We are going to talk about this yeah. some other time. I really, I, I'm really anxious to get into this at uh, you know somewhere down the road. But how do you find having a whole day of rest 
every week. I mean, do you find losing a day a week is a bit of a, a bit of a struggle? Oh, Gary, 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 I've got to tell you that I have more energy for the rest of the week having that rest. Mm. Um, and I remember when I, I haven't always been going to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I remember when I came out of being a Sunday keeper and went to the church, I sat in the church and I thought this is going to seem so strange. And yet when I was there, I felt I was home. The very first time. When it felt strange was when we were driving home and everybody was doing the shopping and people at home were doing the washing, and we didn't. And um, I, I just found it was just such, such a wonderful time. It was a great time with family. Um, and often, you know, married and, and kids, we'd go out in the bush, out in nature, or we'd visit people. And it was a time of coming together, not only to, to be in the presence of God, but a time of being in the presence of our family. Mm. You know, mm. worshipping together, praying together, you know, playing together, whatever. This is something yeah. that I think a, a lot of people in our community don't really, really pick up. You know, to me, uh, you know, the, uh, the Sabbath is such a wonderful day for relationship. You know, oh, to, to be able to have a day when you actually uh, close the door on, you know, doing the shopping and doing the work and the treadmill of life. Get off the treadmill of life and you say, hey, I'm going to spend this time in, in worship with my God, but also in relationship to my my family and my friends and you know to me it's such a beautiful picture isn't it it is great Gary I know that when Friday night comes and the sun goes down I've often stood out and watched the sun going down and I've like taken this big deep breath in yeah. and it's like the cares and worries of the world they're set aside yeah you know it's it is a beautiful time of course uh, it can be spoiled by different things that, that we choose to do but I, I I agree with you. It's about relationships. Mm. Do you think our society would um, would benefit from the Sabbath the Sabbath concept? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. However, I have seen, for example, my father. He um, he didn't agree with us yeah. <laughs> when we started to study. And uh, so he, he was very staunch in his Sunday-keeping church, and he decided to try and keep the Sabbath as he saw us keeping. The yeah. Saturday, he tried to keep the Sunday the same way. Of course, his heart wasn't really in it because he was doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, but it was very clear. It only lasted a couple of weeks. Yeah, because yeah. his heart wasn't in it. Yeah, he yeah, wasn't in it. And that's it's actually a change of lifestyle, oh, isn't it? Yes. You know, to be able to say, "Hey, I'm going to dedicate this day to relationship." Yeah. You know, to me, really creates an environment where I'm actually able to worship the Lord God because I'm actually spending. I've put time aside for worship. I've put time aside for relationship. I've put time aside for my children. I know our family. Family, uh, we, we we often tried to make a point of uh, going to you know going to a park with uh, you know with other friends and you know just having a, a leisurely lunch together and and just sharing and you know the kids would get an opportunity to play and uh, yeah no I, I I look at that and I. I, I've actually had some people say to me, hey, look, you know, the Sabbath is such a works-orientated thing. And my response to them has always been, hey, if this is works-oriented, 
bring it on. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Yeah. I love this. Let, let me say, Gary, it's not just a physical rest side. Yeah. You know, it's it's emotion, emotional rest. It's it's a mental rest from the cares yeah. of the world. Yeah. You know, you can put your work aside and, and just literally relax. It's like being in almost a form of meditation, I yeah. suppose, you know. Yeah. And But it's a blessing because when you come out of the Sabbath, you really are more... Strengthened, well, if I you like. Energized is actually yeah, the energized. word. Energized, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and and uh, the week seems to go fast. Yes, but you seem to accomplish a lot more. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, that's it's an amazing blessing, and I, I've just encouraged so many people to say, "Hey, look, you know, in the day and age in which we're living, uh, in the in the helter skelter treadmill world, and which which is out there, if ever there's a relevant issue, and we're going to study this in just a week or two's time, mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. I think it's just so important for the world in which." we live today. Oh, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Helen, let's come to some music. I, I love this particular song. This is Heritage and No More Night.
heritage, a no more night. What a fantastic day that is going to be. No more night. What a day to look forward to. How I'm looking forward to that. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Helen Gray. Helen's the lay pastoral leader of the Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. And our theme for the week is a warm one for the middle of winter. How good was God when he created hell? It was an article that I was I was reading uh, just on uh, uh, on a, a very popular website. Uh, the website allowed for people to ask uh, ask many questions, and uh, this question came up and uh, being sent to the host. the uh, The writer said this: "I really appreciate your website. I would like to dig further with one of the questions already posed to you." My friend was a zealous Christian for five and a half years. About six months ago, his questions and doubts came to a head and he has since abandoned the Christian faith. He's currently considering consider himself what he would call an agnostic. Anyway, one of his big problems with Christianity is how can a loving God create a place of eternal torment? Even if it was originally meant for Satan and and how can God create humans that he loves, knowing that he will send many of them to hell? The point about Hitler, that most people would agree that he deserved to go there, uh, wouldn't work with him. Uh, eternal torment is just too heinous for any person, no matter what atrocities they've committed. It's an incredibly scary thought. Also... My friend is earnestly seeking to discover the truth and know if there really is a God. He hasn't been too successful and he's frustrated that a loving God would bestow such horrible punishment for people who are unable to find him. He takes, for example, his mother, who's quite satisfied in her faith, which is something other than Christian, who, it seems, will never seek out other religions. They won't seek out, she won't seek out Christianity, especially not Christianity because she was taught believing in Jesus was wrong and he, and she has a hard time believing that God punishing this mostly good person. Mum, is she, is mum going to be punished for eternity? Burning in hell? You know, it was actually a question that was asked. This question has been asked many times on many websites. There's been many attempts at the answers, but significantly so many haven't come to the scriptures. You know, I was I was really impressed, and uh, we've referred to this uh, this particular article uh, earlier this week. Uh, this article comes from the National Geographic, May 13, 2016. In that particular article, uh, it is entitled The Campaign to Eliminate Hell. And it starts off in this way. Hell isn't as popular as it used to be. Well, I'm not sure if it was ever popular, Helen, but, you know, apparently it's got less popular today. Over the last 20 years, the number of Americans who believe in the fire fire down under has dropped from 71% to 58%. Heaven, by contrast, fares much better, and amongst Christians remains an almost universally accepted concept. Underlying these statistics is the conundrum that was expressed in our, or in our website. 
that continues to target the conscience of many Christians who find it difficult to reconcile the existence of a just, loving God with a doctrine that dooms billions of people to eternal punishment. Everlasting torment is intolerable from a moral point of view because it makes God into a bloodthirsty monster, this article says, who maintains an everlasting Auschwitz for victims who does not even allow to die, wrote the late Clark Pennock in an influential um, evangelical magazine. But the once taboo subject is now being openly discussed by well-regarded scholars as they publish articles and best-selling books that rely on a careful reading of the scriptures to challenge the traditional views. Just possibly the traditional view comes more from tradition than from scripture. Do you know, when I read that article and I read uh, what was in the... um, uh, on the website, the the frustrations of a young man who had actually abandoned Christianity because he couldn't come to understand what this hellfire thing actually meant. How do you understand hellfire? Do you know, Helen? I really find uh, find these these articles really powerful because they actually demand answers. You know, to me, one of the things I'm really thankful for is that I believe that the scriptures do actually give us uh, us answers. You know, just yesterday uh, we were uh, talking and uh, uh, with uh, with Eric, and uh, we looked at a number of different different things. We looked at you know hellfire. You know, how many souls are being punished in hell today and what we discovered from the scriptures was that the answer is actually none today Uh, but he was able to open up so much more about this teaching of hell Helen help us out what's your understanding on this whole subject well I think Eric touched a little bit yesterday too when he said about the word hell and the original meanings of it Gary you know people feel that the word hell really is a place of burning and um, if we go into the Bible it is actually only 12 times out of 54 that it means a place of burning you know the rest of the time um, in the Old Testament the word Sheol is used which means the grave Mm -hmm. and that's 31 times 10 times Hades which also means the grave in the New Testament. Twelve times from Gehenna, which does mean the place of burning. And only um, one time from Tartarus, which means a place of darkness. Mm. You know, so why everybody attributes the one um, meaning to hell, that's, mm. that's certainly um, not, not correct to start with. There's certainly a great deal of more tradition that come that has come into this particular teaching. You know, to me, I'm really interested, Helen, with the the number of um, of um, beliefs within Christianity that have more to do with tradition than with uh, than from the scriptures. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there are so many yeah. um, beliefs. I mean, I'm thinking even. Even Christmas, dare I say it, um, actually doesn't actually have a, a biblical foundation. That's correct. Yeah. 
and we can go into a lot of other things as well. Oh, there's so uh, there's so many. Maybe we can uh, deal there. with that. At yeah, a yeah, later and program. we're going to deal with mm. that. We are going to deal with mm. that. But mm. look, let's. Uh, this, this particular belief seems to have, and we discovered this yesterday, seems to have more to do with tradition than with scriptural belief. But share with us what the scriptures are actually saying. Okay, I, I agree with what you're saying, Gary, and I agree that the hellfire principle put a lot of people off of Christianity, yeah. gave them the wrong view of God. Yeah. God is not a God who is vindictive, who is cruel, you know, like like <clears throat> he's standing there watching everybody burn. No, yeah. I agree with what Eric was saying last night. No, the scripture is very clear that that the 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 judgment or the the um the rewards will be at the end. Mm. <clears throat> you mm. know, and I think that should bring good news to people. You know, that if they lost a great 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 grandfather many, many years ago, he's not there suffering in hell, no matter how bad he he may have been. You know, and I think that's hope. Yeah, that is yeah, hope for yeah. me. You know, the Lord actually said in Ezekiel thirty three eleven, He said, "As surely as I live, declared the Sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, mm. but rather that they turn from their ways and live." Mm. He is a loving God, and and He even Jesus even said, "Come to me, all who are weary and burdened by sin, and I will give you rest." Mm. Yeah. So this is. Look, if somebody told me or gave me a study and showed me uh, by their definition the traditional viewpoint of hellfire, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to worship God either. He's not the God I worship. And there are many you know? thousands uh, throughout Christian history who have actually abandoned Christianity because of this teaching mm, of hell. Uh, this is actually uh, they've had to say, "Hey, if this is the sort of God that we are serving, then frankly, I don't want to serve Him." That's exactly right. I'm with you with that one as well, Gary. Um, it's interesting that two Peter three nine also mentions that he doesn't not wanting anyone to perish mm. but everyone this is a loving god and i wanted to just bring that out before i actually got onto onto the subject yeah. you know about how long really will hell go for yeah yeah and i think that's something that we need to have a a quick look at because <coughs> excuse me maybe you got your bible there 2 Thessalonians 1:9 would you just share that with us please gary yeah 2 Thessalonians yep. uh, and uh, chapter 1 verse 9 uh, and verse 9 and it says this there shall be these shall be ta- shall be punished and this of course is speaking of those who who at the at the end of time are going to be destroyed these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Some people could say, well, there you are. You've just read it out. Everlasting destruction. But let me say, please note that everlasting destruction is not the same as everlasting torment. Yes. There is a difference. It simply means a destruction that lasts forever and eternal death. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm. But the effect of everlasting destruction is everlasting death. And Jesus even says, don't be afraid of those who will kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And this actually supports what the scriptures talk about in death. Because uh, death is, by scriptural definition, is actually a cessation of life. The wages of sin is death. And, of course, not and death being a cessation of life it's not the scriptures don't say the wages of sin is to burn in hell eternally they say mm-hmm. the wages of sin yeah. is death 
Yeah. yeah. Let me come back again to that. The, the Greek word translated destruction is one of the strongest words that can be used to mean utter loss of existence. Mm. There is mm. a difference. There is a difference. You know, uh, and I, I believe that you're going to discuss this more tomorrow night, but the purpose of the final punishment, the lake of fire as we know it, is to rid the universe of sin. Mm. You know, not to preserve sin forever. And that, that's good news, but I, I, I dare say you'll be handling that tomorrow night. But Malachi 4, verse 1 and 3, also uses interesting words that some people say, well, there you go. Okay, Malachi 4. And, of course, Malachi is the, uh, is the last book of the, uh, of the Old Testament. Testament. Uh, Malachi 4, verses... 1 and 3. 1 and 3. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. Yes, all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. And you shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. On that, on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Okay. So here we've got the wicked will not burn throughout eternity. The fire will actually reduce them to ashes. So an ash, of course, has actually gone out. Yes. And ashes really refers to eternal separation from God. Yeah. In in this instant, you know, when you think about it, we're told in Romans that the wages of sin is death, mm. not eternal life in hell fire. Mm. It doesn't mm. say that, which is interesting. You know, it also, there's another word used in Revelation 29. Reve- Revelation 20, verse 9. Revelation. You've got me running around here at the, oh, uh, yeah. at the present time, Helen. Don't your money tonight. Revelation <laughs> 20 and uh, verse, uh, verse 9, and it says this. They went out on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Now, these, this is those, who, of course, who have been on the, uh, on the left hand of Christ. You've got those who are going to be uh, judge worthy of the kingdom, those on the, the left who are not going to be judge worthy of the kingdom, and their destruction, according to uh, Revelation chapter 20, to me I think is very significant here. They went up, that's those who are on the earth, uh, on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints the bo- and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just think about that for a moment. These are just different words that, you know, people come up and say, well, look, it says this, it says that. How do you know that it's it's not eternal torment in um, in this fire? Um, you know, if we think of such things, descriptions such as worm, the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Now, that's taken from Mark 9.48. Okay. It indicates the fire goes on tormenting and the worm of conscience keeps gnawing away at the damned forever. That's been thrown at me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay. But Jesus' words in Mark are a quotation from Isaiah 66, 24. And Isaiah was picturing a gruesome scene where worms or maggots were eating the flesh of corpses and fire consuming the bodies. But the point here is utter, complete destruction. The worm doesn't die, the fire is not quenched until they have done their work and nothing is left. Mm. There is no more for the worms to eat. 
Mm. It's gone. It's finished. And according to Jesus, the fire is unquenchable. No fire brigade will be able to put it out until it has done its work of complete destruction. Mm. Nothing left. Ashes, stubble, gone. That's it. You know, and, and God, God has actually, it's breaking God's heart. Yeah. This whole issue that we've been talking about. Because although it will get rid of sin forever, it breaks his heart because he sent his son to die for each one of us. Mm. And he's given us a choice. Mm. And, you know, it's not a works religion. It's not saying, oh, well, I've got to be good, otherwise I'm going to burn, even if it is only for that, that little while. Um, it's not about works. It's about Christ giving us salvation and us accepting it. You know, Helen, just to back on to Revelation chapter 20 again, you know, I read verse, verse 9 there, but, you know, verse 10 also says a great deal to me. Verse 10 says this, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented. Now, mm-hmm. to me... The thing that stands out at me, uh, with me here, is that the devil is the one who has been cast into the lake of fire. Now, you know, I don't know what your um, view is of, you know, this uh, of the devil or, or Satan. You know, many times I, I, I sort of think if I if I'm sharing with somebody and I'll say to them, you know, what is your picture of uh, of the devil? Uh, what sort of answer do you think they give to me, Helen? Uh, he's got a red suit. Ah, he's got a red suit. Ah, that's good. You've got, got the same picture. He's got a pitchfork. A pitchfork. Yep. He's got a long tail. Long tail. Fork tail. And what's on his head? Um, that's a good question. I thought he had pointy horns. Ah, something. pointy horns. That's exactly <laughs> right. See, you've got the same picture. Brought up on that. You've been brought up on that. Yes. Exactly. Uh, but, you know. And he must laugh. He, he must Sorry, laugh at that. Joe. He must he laugh must at that. He must laugh. But, you know. We almost, in Christian theology, has in many ways almost made him to be God's accomplice. You know, God is the one who is in charge of this place called heaven, mm-hmm. whereas the devil, he's in charge, he's God's accomplice, and he's down there and he's uh, stoking the yeah. fires of hell to make sure they don't yeah. go out and prodding people to make sure that the, you know, uh, you know, to, to me, this is a frightening thought. And yet what the book of Revelation says to us is that the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. It's actually saying, you know, the scripture Scriptures actually tell us that the uh, that this fire is actually reserved for the devil and his angels. Yes, and uh, you know, to me, as I look at that, for we have Christ who came to this earth to redeem mankind. God's intention for you and for me, for our community, for our world, is that this race might be redeemed. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, I think this makes such a beautiful mm-hmm. picture. This destruction by fire at the end of time is something that's been designed by God for Satan and his angels because he doesn't want sin to rise up a second time. Now, uh, to me, it then turns around we say, okay, well, whose sign am I actually on? And and that's where we actually have freedom of, freedom of choice because yes. at that point we can say, hey, uh, it's either I've aligned myself with Jesus, or I've aligned myself with somebody else who will be destroyed. And it's actually, you know, I end up with whichever camp I've actually chosen. That's right. You know, I... (laughs) 
But Helen, I'm taking your your job. Isn't that a terrible? <laughs> you just saw thing? me look at the clock. I'm I'm sorry about that, Helen. <laughs> That's Please. okay, Gary. Let me just affirm our listeners that the devil is not the funny little figure in the red suit. Yeah, I'm sorry, it's not. And if we study scripture, we will see that he originally was a covering angel. He yeah. was the most um, respected angel, really, in in heaven. Yeah. He had a top position in music, yeah. and he was dressed with beautiful stones. So mm. don't be fooled by these antics that, that he's brought into the world. But tonight, we really want to talk about the word forever in Scripture. Mm-hmm. So let's just go back to that. Um, there are several texts that may suggest an eternal burning hell, and most people would find that really something abhorrent, yeah. you know, even think about it. And some don't see any way around it like that one that you read out to us, and that's really sad. That's because of the way that some of the texts have been interpreted. So let's just – we've already seen that eternal punishment, you know, comes out. It's unending burning, but it's everlasting destruction, you know, until mm-hmm. everything is gone. Let's come to some of these some of these passages. Okay. A scripture that troubles people is Matthew twenty five forty one. Okay, this is uh, this is of course uh, Christ is speaking. Just on in what, you, what you were just talking about a moment ago. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah. It's uh, it's a very uh, common uh, quoted text. Christ is talking in Matthew twenty four and twenty five to his disciples about the end of time. Yeah. Matthew uh, twenty. Sorry, what was 25, that? Twenty five forty one. And this is what it says. And he will say to those on the left hand, "Depart from me, ye cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil." And his angels. Now, the devil and his angels again, but it's everlasting fire. Helen. Mm, that's an interesting one, wasn't it? Everlasting fire. The punishments and its effects are definitely everlasting. They result in everlasting death. But let's just, let's just have a look and see another, another verse that will give us some idea on what that actually means. Because it's really important, isn't it, that we have an understanding of what this word everlasting means when it was originally written yes. back at the time of the of the apostles. Yeah. So and you, this can, you can link and eternal with the word everlasting yes, as yes, well. Yes. So let's turn to another passage in Jude. Jude 7 for me, please, Gary. Okay, and Jude, of course, is the, uh, for our listeners who may not be aware, is the book immediately before uh, Revelation, the last book of the Bible. So this is the second last book of the and it's Bible. Got one chapter. One, only one chapter. So it's mm-hmm. Jude chapter one, and it's verse seven. Verse seven, and this is uh, this is what the passage says, and he's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in a similar manner to these, having having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Oh, wow. There's that word again. Here it is again. But tell me, Gary, is Sodom, know, Sodom and Gomorrah, are they still burning today? Not even exactly sure where they are. <laughs> well, obviously, they're not still burning. They're not still burning. Yes, but the fire was eternal. But And but that's what the scriptures in call In the sense it. that it resulted in permanency. Yeah. Done yeah. forever. Permanent destruction. Yeah. This okay. this passage, I think, is actually really key to understanding this whole story because what you get is exactly the same word here. And <laughs> what what it, uh, it meant when it was written is important that we understand today for our interpretation. Oh, I agree and, totally. And, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And that's uh, Jude, and uh, it's verse 7, if any of yeah. our, our listeners would like to look that up. 
And there is another text that does the same. It's 2 Peter 2.6, which clearly points out that the eternal God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. Okay. 2 Peter 2 verse 6. Um, 2 Peter 2 and verse uh, 6, and it says this. Um, uh, uh, let me go from verse 5. God didn't spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood on the world of the ungodly. And he also turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them to destruction, making them an example of those who afterward would live ungodly. Now, isn't that very... Um, straightforward. That's very clear, isn't it? That's powerful, it, actually, it because... Is. It's a good text, that one. It, well, it's allowing the scriptures to actually interpret itself. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. Helen, this is one thing that I would actually say to our listeners. In fact, I would challenge our listeners. Please allow the scriptures to interpret the scriptures. It's really important that we actually don't put uh, our own interpretation on on passages that were written back uh, by the early apostles and uh, and prophets. We need to understand what the scriptures are actually saying. It's and to actually me, exciting, Gary. Yeah. When you see that the scriptures do do that. Yeah. yeah. You know, you go, wow, you know, there yeah. it is. Let me just go on. The ungodly of Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, are not still in agony. And by the way, it's in the Holy Land. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure you yeah. knew yeah. that. Some, some say it's in the middle of the Dead Sea, actually. <laughs> <laughs> the cities and their inhabitants were reduced to ashes long time ago. And yet that fire that burned is eternal in its consequences. Mm. Permanent destruction. Remember the distinction. Eternal means permanent punishment, not eternal punishing. There is a difference. Okay. Because the book of Revelation uses such vivid symbolic language, some of its passages have also been misunderstood, Gary. For example, give me Revelation 14, verse 11, and it's speaking about the lost. Okay, Revelation 14, 14 11. and verse 11, and, uh, and it, says, uh, it says this. Um, let me see if I can find it. Um, sorry, uh, Helen. Um, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image, whoever receives the mark in his name. Now, wow. by the way, by the way, we're going to dig into what the meaning of those other things are mm-hmm. uh, at a, in a future meeting. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm really interested, Helen, in uh, in that uh, passage there. The smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. It sounds like endless suffering, doesn't it? It does. Okay, so again, let let the scripture interpret for us. The prophet Isaiah he used actually used the same language in speaking of God's judgment against wicked Edom. He said, "Her land will become blazing pitch. It will not." be quenched night and day its smoke will arise forever and that's the same words Isaiah 34 9 and 10 Mm. and the land of Edom it's not still burning today the fire went out a long time ago and God was using this poetic language if you like that they call it to emphasize the thoroughness the utter destruction again involved in the judgment Mm. but let's have a look at something else in Exodus 21 6 in in the king, I don't know what version you've got there, Gary. Exodus uh, twenty one uh, six. Yep. Uh, of course, uh, Exodus. This is very close to where the Ten Commandments are found in Exodus chapter twenty, the second book mm-hmm. of the Bible. Uh, Exodus twenty one and uh, and verse six, and it says this: Then his master shall bring him to the judges. This is talking of one of the slaves. He shall also bring him to the door of the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. 
Yeah, the incident of that, of course, is if when it came time to free them... Free a slave. Free a slave. If the slave had been treated well and wanted to stay, it could well be because he'd married and he didn't want to leave his wife or whatever. That was the custom then to put that all, you know, and, and pierce the ear. But the interesting thing is... It, in that case, forever would be as long as the servant's life. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. Well, that's exactly yeah. right, because it can't be any longer than that. In other yeah. words, here what we find in the yes. Scripture is this word forever is actually being utilised in the context of uh, for as long as that person or thing shall exist. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's interesting. The NIV actually translates the word forever. It says for life, mm. which is a mm. little bit clearer. What about Jonah? Jonah. Jonah. He spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, didn't he? Uh, he According he, to Matthew twelve forty, and repo- reports that he was there. You tell me for how long? He was in the belly of the whale three days, three nights. Mm-hmm. What does Jonah two six tell us? Jonah. Uh, Jonah tells us that he was in the. Sorry, I just uh, I'm trying to. You're doing uh, to, very well. Gary. I'm trying to. You're putting me on the uh, on the spot here. Jonah Love two and Bible. verse uh, verse six. Uh, and I went down to the moorings of the mountains and the earth with its bars. This is Jonah. This is a prayer Jonah is playing, praying while he's in the belly of the whale. Yet you brought me, brought up my life from the pit. Oh my God, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Oh, look at that word. Mm. Forever, no doubt. Three days in the belly of a fish would sound like forever. Slimy darkness. Indeed. Oh, I could even—I shudder just thinking about it. But it just meant for him. It seemed like forever, but it meant until that duration finished. Mm. You know, mm. and of course, from scripture, we know what happened to Jonah. Yeah, the fish got sick and decided he didn't like this thing in him, and so got rid of him onto the beach. We must be careful to understand how and when Scripture uses symbolic, poetic language. The smoke that ascends forever from the lake of fire is a vivid way of expressing eternal destruction. Mm, mm. You know, Revelation 21.8 tells us plainly that the lake which burns with fire and brimstone is the second death. Okay, and now that is significant because within Scripture, what you've actually got spoken of in Scripture is this thing called the first death Mm -hmm. and followed by a second death. And, of course, the first death is something that we see today all the time. Uh, But Scripture actually calls that first death a sleep. Yes. It's the second death that is actually to be feared because it's that death that, if you like, is the cessation, the total cessation with no future of resurrection. Yeah. 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 That's the eternal. That's the everlasting. But the people are not still burning. Yeah. You know, when the wicked die in the grave, they will be there until the Lord raises them. How unfair would it be if, say, you know, Adam and Eve 6,000 years ago died and their son Cain because he he killed Abel well he's gone straight to hell yeah. And he's been burning for 6,000 years? Yeah, come right. on, come yeah. on. Hardly fair. Yeah. Hardly fair you get somebody who is an extreme murderer on the earth today and, and he just might last a, you know, a little while there. No, no, it is complete, complete. The wicked are consumed. And, you know, Helen, gone. the they thing die, that... They they perish, they're destroyed. The yep. thing that I really appreciate about this particular teaching is that what we've got is it says something about the character of God. Oh. It's, it says that sin is not going to continue that God is going to bring sin to a cessation. 
we're going to see, come to a point where sin itself will be obliterated. And, you know, I think that that is beautiful. We're not going to have this eternal life of a sinner in any form because yeah. the, 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 the result of sin, the wages of sin is death and death is a cessation of life. Helen, look, let's just come to a little bit of music. I I just love to listen to Bill and Gloria Gaither. This is this could be the breaking of the day.
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host is Helen Gray. Helen's the lay pastoral leader of the Birdwood Adventist Church. And our big question for this week is how good was God when he created hell? Helen, bring it all together for us. I'm conscious that our time is starting to escape. We're starting to disappear. Bring it together for us. Okay. Uh, I just want to finish by saying the alternatives facing us are very starkly clear, aren't they? You know, we've gone through texts, we've looked at some of the words, and the Bible has explained itself. Eternal destruction and eternity excluded from the presence of God. Or an eternal friendship with Christ that fulfills our deepest longings. Gary, which do you choose for yourself? Uh, I mean, is there a choice? I mean, you look at that and you simply say, hey, you know, I'm so thankful that many years ago, I, when I was a young person, I actually accepted Jesus Christ. And, you know, the beautiful thing about accepting Jesus Christ is it's actually so easy to do. You know, you get this, uh, you know, I think of uh, Paul in Ephesians. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Uh, you know, uh, to me, that is such a beautiful uh, presentation by Paul because what it's saying is that it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter the stuff-ups that you've actually made in your life. You are saved by God's grace. God has done everything he can possibly do in order to ensure our salvation. You know, okay, he has to deal with this issue called Sin. And okay, at the end of the world, is there fire? Yes, there is. Is it for a short duration? Yes, it is. Why is it? Because he has to deal with this issue called sin. Who's it been prepared for? It's been prepared for the devil, the originator of sin, and his angels. It hasn't been prepared for uh, you and me. Uh, but what does he say? He says, Come unto me, all you that labour and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You see, I think here, Helen, I think we've got such a beautiful, there is such a beautiful understanding of the Lord God in, that is given to us in Scripture. I think there's an understanding there that, uh, you know, until a person has actually experienced uh, what it means to walk with, with Jesus Christ, it's not possible to actually understand. Uh, Helen, I, I'm just really thankful that many years ago I accepted Jesus Christ. I, I, I tried to walk with him throughout my life and you know I believe that uh, what we have in uh, in Matthew where Christ turns around and says well done good and faithful servant that is what I pray that our Lord God will actually be able to say to me Gary I agree with you totally yeah thank you for that testimony I, I'm very much consciously aware that the saddest words that I find in the Bible and there are many sad words but one of the saddest times in the Bible is when Jesus will say depart from me I know you not yeah. I sincerely hope that none of us are in that situation Yeah, none of us are going to hear those words and when should we make a decision Gary and, and that is the really significant question because the answer of course is Right now, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day which, where we are called to actually make that, make that commitment to Jesus Christ. And it's so easy to actually do. Helen, how did you do it? Before I get to that, um, you just quoted scripture, did you not? That wasn't Gary's words. Um, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. That's scripture. Mm. Thank you for quoting scripture. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 to 2. 
I actually gave my heart to the Lord many years ago, but sadly I walked away mm-hmm. after a couple of years. I thought by being baptized, that was it. You know, once saved, always saved. You know, everything's going to be fine. I have learned since then that, no, that's the worst time because Satan will try everything to discourage. Mm. And sadly, I fell into his trap. And I went for a couple of years, and and I really didn't want to know God. I didn't want to talk with him. I, I, I just I got myself deeper and deeper into the wrong part of the world. And one night I thought, no, that's it. I can't live like this. And God gave me clear the words um, which I, I have shared before that I in, I wasn't asleep but it was like I saw in fire um, Helen do you want to be whole trust me mm. that was a turning point for me because mm. I had learned I could trust him through the Bible yeah. I learned the prophecies and and I learned his word he keeps his promises Gary yeah. and now no I wouldn't I wouldn't look back from that at all our time is running out rather rather quickly I see Gary do you mind if I have prayer with the listeners before I'd we love finish? you to have prayer with the listeners okay let's pray shall we dear loving father we thank you that you are a father of mercy of love and justice I'm thankful, Father, that Jesus loves each one of us and he gave his life for each one of us, not to condemn us, but to save us. I pray, Father, that you'll help us just now to place ourselves on the side of salvation and life everlasting and not on the side of eternal death. Oh, Father, please prepare each one of us to kneel in adoration at the feet of Jesus when he is crowned King of kings and Lord Lord of lords. Father, I pray that you will make us true to you, obedient to your word word, and to all your commandments. I pray, Lord, there won't be any of the listeners that are listening today lost, that they will be condemned to that lake of fire with Satan. Oh, Lord, may it not be. I pray that you will touch their hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit, that they will make a decision right now, right this minute, to give their hearts to God, Mm. to give their hearts to you. And I know that the angels will rejoice at one sinner that gives their heart to you through repentance, even more than the 99 that are saved. Father, we bless you. We are grateful for your leading. We thank you for this time of sharing. We thank you for your word that can guide us and lead us and teach us. And bless us all, Lord. And may we bring honor and glory and praise to you and be amongst those in adoration, kneeling at your feet when you come, saying, Lo, this is our Lord. We have waited for him. I pray these things in the precious, loving name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Helen Gray on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when we dig more into this subject from the Bible and we ask again, how good was God when he created hell? Really look forward to seeing you, but until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy Jason Cork, The Holy City. Last night I lay sleeping, there came a dream so fair. I stood in old Jerusalem. Beside the temple there I heard the children singing And ever as they sang 
Methought the voice of angels from heaven 